Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. How's everybody doing? I want to welcome you into a very, very special episode of NBA Rookie Life with Ryan Hollins. I know say all, I know I, I seem to say all these episodes are special, but this one um, hits different for me. Um, I can't even, I, normally I can say this young man or this gentleman, man, this OG, OG to the game of uh, basketball was the uh, fourth pick in the 1983 draft to the Los Angeles Lakers, three-time NBA champion, NBA All-Rookie, first team, uh, Jersey retired. I'm giving away a little bit at Arizona State. Ain't too many of them there. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to start, start in there. Uh, a McDonald's All-American, two-time All-Star game. Head coach, okay, and one of my coaches, man. I couldn't be more privileged, Coach Byron Scott. B, what's going on with you, man? man everything's good, Ryan. How you doing, my brother? Okay, now for for podcast purposes, I feel like I always work with respect. So, can I call you By Byron, or do I have to address you? I feel like I should call you Coach the whole time. So, uh, you tell me what I'm okay with, man. Look, I answer to both to Byron, to Coach, to Mister Scott. I mean, I answer to Papa, as my grandkids call me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's all good. You can call me B. You can call me Byron. It's up to you, Ryan. All right, all right, coach. I might slide a couple Byrons in there when I can get away with it, man. I, I just, I just feel like uh, respecting. Um, for for me and your relationship, I think I don't know if we talked about this or not. Um, it was always special, man, because I had ten coach. I had ten or eleven coaches wow. in ten years in the NBA, nine different teams. But me and you have a different relationship because Byron. One, one of the things I always love about you as a coach, you know, love and hate too. You're gonna be you. And you have you treated us like your sons, man. 
Like it wasn't like it, some coaches or players. It's been, you treated me like your son. You you yelled at me. You got on me. You, you hit me upside the head when needed, and we had those talks. So um, yeah. I, I think yeah. for for me looking back. I didn't have what I'll do. I didn't have those relationships with those coaches. And even to this day, um, you carry yourself like that. And that's why um, you are uh, to me, NBA Hall of Fame. You are the real deal. And that's why people rock and roll with you, coach. But um, I, I appreciate you for that, man. Um, I, why is that? Like to me, Coach Byron Scott never changed from player Byron. Like, you've always been you. You know what, Ryan? I the one thing I always wanted to be was me. My dad always told me, and my mom was the same way. They said, always be you no matter what the situation is. Uh, when I became a coach, you know, one of the best advice my dad gave me is, was, you know, people are going to fire you and, and hire you uh, for different reasons. He said, but you've mm. got to stay true to who you are, you know, so you can look yourself in the mirror the next day, knowing that you did everything you could to do it, do it to the best of your ability. And so I, I've carried that my whole life. And, and like you said, man, uh, one one advice that my man, my main man, Bill Walton, told me was never get attached to players. He said, you know what, because coaches are hired to be fired. You don't want to mm -hmm. ever get attached to players. And I said, how is that possible? You know, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. almost impossible for me not to get attached to guys. So, you know, our relationship, like you said, me and you would have some serious sit down talks. Uh, I would scream and yell at you and then I would hug you and tell you how much I love you. you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's how it should be. I mean, you should treat the players the way you want them to treat you, and you got to treat them with respect. Um, and I did everything that way for my whole career. You know, it, you know love me or hate me, you know, it, I, I am who I am. And uh, I would never be apologetic about that because I think that's the reason that I've been so successful in life and, and so successful uh, in, in my professional uh, career as well. And coach, I, it's, it's funny you bring that up, man. I, I want to say something to you right now on this podcast that I, I don't think we ever got a chance to talk about. It never, it never sat right with me. Um, for those who don't know, I played, I played a year and a half there in Cleveland with coach. Coach brought me in and we had a relationship. Yeah. Even, even when I didn't play for you, when you were, uh, w with the Hornets, you mm -hmm. were like, Hey, uh, you could fit in what we doing, man. You you come right behind Tyson, and we we we're not gonna miss a beat. So I always had respect for you, watching you, and, and uh, you know what we had. And I felt like when I left Cleveland, we never got a chance to talk. We never got uh, the, a chance to sit down. And it was it was a situation where I was transitioning from you know a young guy who could kind of make mistakes and play through things to kind of put my big boy pants on, and it was to me it was pivotal. I, I felt like, with all due respect, I felt like I was on my way out the league. I didn't feel the longevity there, and um, we had a situation with Chris Grant where you know uh, the Celtics wanted me, and then we were trying to make it work there, and you know it, it, it's funny, like you said, I felt that emotional attachment and it never felt right um, when I left. And then, you know, I, it's funny. I asked Chris Grant, I forget where we, we were on the road somewhere. And um, he told me, just don't go down to the bus. You know, don't go down to the bus. We'll figure it out and and move from there. But it never it never sat well with me. And I remember uh, Luke, Luke Walton, shout out Luke, doing a great job actually in Cleveland coaching now. He hit me and was like, where are you at? Like, what, you, you late? And I'm like, I didn't respond to him, you know, so, so yeah. coach, um, you hand it for me. That never sat well with me. I know it's professional sports, but I appreciate everything you've done for me. And, um, you know, when I went to the Celtics, I went from the house to the penthouse as far as winning. I got a taste of, you know, you'd always tell us those Laker championship stories and what it was like and the hard work. And 
everything that you said. And for those who don't know, Byron has, we'll, we'll get into it, historical training camps, Mr. Pat Rodgers <laughs> Jr. there. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But um, in shoot-arounds, we were tight. We, we, we knew our coverages. We knew our second and third coverages. And when I got to Boston with Doc, I never missed a beat defensively. So even though our team wasn't um, winning, you taught me winning basketball. And I, I came a game away, you know, forget LeBron, whatever, from, from the championship that year and um, my most successful year and winning years of pros. I appreciate you coaching. Um, I, I apologize. I know we talked, but I ain't never sat well with me, man. You know what? So, I mean, for me too, Ryan, it never sat well with me because I remember Chris calling me and letting me know that they were going to make this trade for you and you didn't come to the bus. And that's that for me, that's I didn't get a chance to have closure, you know, and that's the one thing that I tried to do with every player that I've ever, you know, coached, being a trade or being a free agent, being a draft, whatever. You know, I, I would love to have been able to say at that time, you know, Ryan, man, you did a great job here. I hope that we helped you you know, from a coaching standpoint, get to the next level and understand what winning is all about and what hard work is all about. And you're going to the better, a better situation. I hope you do well there. I hope you guys win a championship. That's all I really wanted to say. And I yeah, did yeah, yeah. So sitting on the bus knowing that you were, you were, uh, go, you, you were getting traded that day and you weren't going to be on the bus. Uh, obviously for me as a coach, I got to start thinking about the game because we're going, we're going to the arena. You got to get ready for the game. So when I get to the game and you get, you know, prepared for the game, you got to, you know, make sure that everything outside of that is not going to affect you to get your preparation for the game. So that was something that, that, that irked me. It's the same thing with BD, you know, a while back when BD was at New Orleans and everything, and we, we had to trade him, uh, to Golden State, uh, those type of non-closures never sit well with me because I, I want the guy to know how much I appreciate everything that he did, you being in this case, how hard you worked every single day, how you came in early. People don't know all this, but how you came in early and would get your workouts in. Uh, we would even have talks in the weight room because I was there early to get my workout in. I wanted to get my <laughs> workout in before we started practicing. You would be one of the first players there. you know. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because it didn't sit well with me, man, and I'm glad that you were able to go on uh, to an organization who I hate, but I, I, I admire them. <laughs> because they were too, you know, so I admired them and, yeah. I, and I knew it gave you a chance to get to the other side. So, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. And, and coach, you know, I gotta, I gotta bring this to you too, you know, story-wise, um, about you and some of my admiration. Um, for those who don't know, like, like, like being touched, it's funny, man. Coach, you still beat me to the spot, man. And I can't even get the questions out. But like, um, I played, uh, I got a chance to play for the legend coach Larry Brown and Larry hated me until I was gone and traded and wished me well. And that's just how LB gets down. Coach, you, you know, you know, LB better. I sure do. He hates and, you. Um, I mean, it's just yeah. like that. I remember priding myself on like beating the other players, maybe not all the time, but beating the other coaches or players to the gym because we, you know, where we come from, B, we ain't come from nothing, man. So we was taught to, right. that's how you right. stick in this league and, right. you know, you kind of live and die by it. So LB, I remember racing him to the gym and that sucker would get to the gym at like 4.35 a.m. And like it, it killed me. And I remember getting to the gym early to work out <laughs> and, you know, I get there about about six. Mm -hmm. And when I will walk in the gym, you're finishing your workout. And then I remember going, 
All right, bump Byron, forget him. Like, because at this point, I don't know if you feel this. It's a silent competition for me, B. And I'm like, <laughs> is this dude really, is he really like this? Is he like, and then I'm getting there a little earlier. And I like, it got to a point you were like a ghost. And it was like, I know he working out. And B, you be on the bike getting it. And you're like, yeah, this is the cool down. Hey, so I got to coach. I got to salute you in that. For those who don't know, you know, it's a whole different level of respect because you practice what you preach. You did it. And, you know, I don't know, coach, let me know if you felt that from me. But it was just like it was just like, a yeah, young fella, I'm working. You, you're not going to beat me at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I figured it out pretty early when I kept seeing you come in. You, you know, you, you, you would come in a little earlier, a little earlier, a little earlier. So I was like, okay, all right, I can see right now that he's going to beat everybody else in here, but not me. No, I, I can't let him beat me in here. I got to get in here early. I got to get my workout. Then I got to go in the office. I got to meet with my coaches. We got to get, you know, our practice game plan and what we're talking about doing today. So I got to make sure I get there early just so I can get it in and then I can relax for a minute before I meet with the coaches. And you will be in a good mood. That's the, I don't know what it is, B. That'll be the best mood you be in when you're working out. If you ever want to talk to Byron Scott, do it while he while he's like on his bike and the, the workout is ending. <laughs> I'm in a great mood because I'm finishing number one and number two. Yes. Uh, you know, anytime you know when you you get to that level when you're coaching, uh, especially in the NBA, man, you, you wake up in the morning. It's a good day, you know. So I always started my day off feeling good and. Uh, looking forward to my workout and then looking forward to practicing with you guys. Because did you know, I used to always say, hey, each day is a day to get better. And, you know, we yes. can't worry about what happened last night. Today we get better. And that, that's what we live by. All right, all right Coach. We, we alluded to, uh, you talked a little bit about the hard work uh, that your father instilled in you to, to be you. We know as a coach, the same OG, the same guy you were as a player. Talk me through your rookie day draft day ex experience, man. Where were you? Who were you with? Walk walk me through that, Coach. Talk to me about that experience. I want to know um, where was how old were you? Because a lot of these guys leave early now, and you you know was it three years in college? Was it four years in, in college yeah. for you? And 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 talk me through that day. Who who? Let me know who Byron was at. I, I'd like to say you know seventeen, eighteen, but y'all did a little different back yeah. then, man. <laughs> No, I was 21, uh, you know, so, yeah, I did go to three years of, uh, you know, college at Arizona State. And, uh, excuse me, and uh, I remember, you know, it, it's so it's so different now, Ryan. I mean, when they when they talked about the, the top picks at that time, you know, we, we basically just went into the prospective team that was thinking about drafting us, and we would just talk. You didn't go on the court. You didn't work out, none of that stuff. They just brought you in kind of like an interview. And I remember the Clippers at that time were the San Diego Clippers. They brought me down to San Diego. I walked around with Jim Lynham, who was a coach at the time, who ended up being an assistant coach in Philly for a number of years. And we walked around the city of San Diego for like two hours. We had lunch and we just talked wow. basketball. And, and and I think he he really wanted to more wanted to know more about you know who Byron is besides the basketball player. You know, so we talked about family, we talked about siblings, we talked about everything. And wow. once we were done, basically, I drove back home. You know, I drove all the way back to L.A., uh, told my mom and dad how it went, you know, told them I didn't know what was going to happen. I said, but, you know, hey, that wouldn't be a bad place to be. You know, San Diego, Clippers, I, you know, I would be the four-player pick. I'm right I'm, – it's in my backyard pretty much. So yes. I was thinking this would be a pretty good fit. So draft day uh, comes, and they called me, shoot, about seven to eight hours before the draft, and they said, we're picking you. So now we're going to send the wow. car up. 
and we, we want you down here in San Diego and we're having kind of a, a draft party. And so this I is said, before oh, the draft, this is before the draft. So <laughs> they send a car for me. Yeah, they send a car for me. It's totally different. Like you say, all the guys are in New York. They go on stage now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With, with David Stern back in the day. Now, you know, uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, they, they say, no, it wasn't nothing like that for me. It was that they wanted me here. They didn't want me in New York. So they drove me down to San Diego. I met with everybody, you know, that was in the organization, the Clipper organization at the time. Donald Sterling came up, gave me a big handshake. Hold on. So draft day, you are summoned to San Diego with yes. the Clippers, and yes. you're you're going to celebrate with the Clippers. Yes, with the Clipper organization, Donald Sterling, uh, Elgin Baylor, all those guys were were there, and you know I, I might have had maybe one suit, so I had to put that suit on and get my butt down there. And uh, we end up having a party for about an hour and a half before the draft. And then the draft came and we just all kind of sit down. And when they said with the fourth pick, the San Diego Clippers select Byron Scott from Arizona State University. Now they're showing highlights of me in New York, you know, doing what I do. <laughs> but I'm there in San Diego, right? And so when I finish, when they finish that, you know, I do all the, uh, the, the, do all the interviews with all the people in San Diego, all the radio stations and everything, all the TV stations. I think the car dropped me back off home at like one in the morning. Wow. You know, that was my draft day. So the whole day I basically was in San Diego with the whole organization uh, celebrating, getting drafted by the Clippers. My family didn't come. It was just me by myself. My mom, my dad, nobody came. It was just me by myself. Yeah, now, what, you know, obviously you had to, you know, at some point did you run, did you borrow a phone? Did you get the, hey, man, well, I got to use your phone and call my mom or something like that? <laughs> like, I can't imagine yeah. a guy, you're a grown man at this point because none of these I'm guys. A, I'm a grown 21-year-old man, but Ryan, this is 40 years ago. Didn't have a cell phone, didn't have pages or nothing like that. I didn't ask to borrow, you know, a regular phone to call <laughs> going to the office and Nah, I just said, I'm going to just celebrate with them. And then when I get home, I'll tell mom and dad all about it. And that's basically what I did. The next day when we all woke up, you know, I told them my experience and how great it was down there. Uh, I said, now I'm going to have to, you know, go down there, down there and start looking for a place to live, you know. And I, I think I did that about a week later. And then we started negotiating. And then that's when all hell broke loose. And, you know, we couldn't come up with an agreement. And then the best thing that ever happened to me basketball-wise is then they traded me to the Lakers. Wow. wow. Um, as much as you like to talk about, you know, how did that, how did that process go? Because <laughs> ain't too bad be from Morningside to ASU to San Diego to, to the, to the crib now. Okay. You, you, you know, talk, how did this, how did this go? Cause I don't know, be, I don't think a lot of people know this. How did no, this work out, was, man? It was crazy, Ron, because. I'm going to work out every day because I'm, you know, I'm getting ready, trying to get ready for training camp and everything. And I mean, five weeks, six weeks go by, you know, and I'm looking at all the guys that were drafted, you know, that are signing before yeah. me. You know, they signed Ralph Sampson. He was the first pick. So everybody knew, it, you know, you, you can't compare what you're going to get to him. So let's just put him out of the equation. And hold on, for those who don't know, it, the rookie scales were not just slotted like they are now. You had to negotiate yeah. your pay, yeah. correct? It was a straight negotiation. You negotiated your, your, your dollar value and your years. Uh, and so wow. Ralph Sampson was on a different level. So I think the second pick was Steve Stepanovich. Third pick was Rodney McCray from Louisville. I was the fourth pick. 
Russell Cross from Purdue was the fifth pick. So I'm looking at all these guys signed. I'm looking at Jeff Malone at like nine or ten. He signed. My boy D. Walker, he signed. And I'm going, wait a minute, out all the top ten players and signed, I'm the only one that ain't signed. And I'm not asking for nothing crazy. But what they were offering me was what yeah. the eleventh and twelfth guy got. You know, Donald so was, Sterling. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Sterling. Donald. <laughs> that was the Clippers. So we couldn't come in. <laughs> so I'm working out every day trying to get ready. I'm watching now. I'm at the point where I'm watching preseason games, right? Watching preseason games. Wow. Still haven't signed. So there's like three or four preseason games left. And I'm sitting there going, I might have to sit out the whole season, you know, because these guys are acting crazy. You know, and me and my me and my agent at the time, we both were like, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not signing for that. I'm not. This is what I want. And this is you know, less than what the, the third guy got, but more than what the fifth guy got. You know, and I said, that's that's only fair. Still couldn't sign with him. Still wouldn't sign. But at, 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 and at all this time I haven't signed, they sent me letters saying I've been fined for not coming to camp, for missing games and all. <laughs> well, how you going to find me if you ain't signed, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So two weeks before the regular season was about to start, I'm about to go work out phone rings. I answer the phone. And I hear a uh, young man, uh, just Byron Scott. I said, yeah, this is Byron Scott. Who's this? Uh, this is Jerry West with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I almost, you know, took a dump, man. I was like, you got to kill me. <laughs> and he said, listen, he said, we've been trying to, it's, it's like nine in the morning. He said, we've been trying to make yeah. a trade for you for the past two weeks. And if it doesn't happen today, it's not going to happen. And we, we're going to do this trade, but we got to do it by two o'clock. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I hang up the phone and tell my mom what just went on. And my mom was like, oh, don't worry. They're going to call you. Two o'clock comes around. They don't call. Two thirty comes around. They don't call. I'm like, mom, I'm going to go work out. I'm still a clipper. I'm all dejected. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I fly to the car. My mom comes running out the house. Telephone. So I run back in the house. It's like 10 minutes to three. And I pick up the phone. Hello. It's young man, congratulations. Now you are Los Angeles Laker. And it was it was uh, Jerry Buss. I mean, Jerry West. And I just, man, I just, you know, I almost just dropped to my knees. Like, I couldn't believe that this was happening, wow. that I get to play for the team that I've been a big fan of for so many years. And he put the trainer on the phone who wanted to know my shoe size and the, my jersey number. Now, I was number 11 pretty much all my life. You know, why, why, why is that? Any reason behind the 11? My favorite basketball player in the NBA was Bob McAdoo. Because mm -hmm. I've never seen a big dude who shot the ball like that. I was like, this is it. So, I, from the seventh grade, <laughs> I wore number 11. So I get really? to the Lakers. Guess who's on the Lakers? Bob McAdoo. So I can't wear number 11. Yeah. Yo. So I said, he said, well, you want number 12? or what, what number you want? I said, well, do you have number four? Is that available? Yeah, we got number four. I said, I was the fourth player pick. I'll just take number four then. And that's how I took number <laughs> four, you know. So, I mean, within three days, you know, that they had made the trade, I gave them pretty much the same amount that I wanted, you know, that I've been begging the Clippers, and we made the deal within three days, you know. I mean, to get the paper all written up and all that stuff. And I went to the Laker game, their last pre, their second to last preseason game, and went in and met everybody. And I remember Magic was, you know, looked at me, and he said, what's up? And then he said, you ready? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, about a week, man, they was hitting me and elbowing me and everything. And finally, you know, the, the Inglewood came out of me, and I said, "Look, next one of y'all throw an elbow, I'm, I'm whooping." <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be straight nothing. Coop looked at me, he's like, "Oh, okay." 
okay, you got some balls. He said, well, then yeah, bring it. Yeah. I said, yeah, okay, we'll throw another elbow. I mean, it went like that. And yeah, yeah. that's how they accepted me. It was like, we just had to see if you were tough enough. And you 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 passed all our tests, so you know welcome to the Lakers. So that's basically was my introduction to the L.A. Lakers. Wow, like you, you know, it, it, that's that's crazy, coach. It was almost literally like a football negotiation. You, you talked about it, and um, let me ask you this: so people don't know, I actually originally signed at the University of St. Louis. Romar leaves the deal. I end up at UCLA. They come around late, but for me, by the time. UCLA would be a dream for any kid, but for me, it was like bump them. This is business by that time. Like you feel like the right, like like all right, y'all ain't want me no way, right? Like, do right. you feel like because you came in that way, the oh, I'm from Morningside, I'm a lake. Like, do you think it was like not nah, as a business by the time, or do you feel like you already had that that grind mindset going? I had that grind mindset going. You know, I I knew once I got there, I was about to grind. I was got to earn respect. Uh, you know, but you know. I also knew I wasn't going to be backing down from anybody either, you know, but I, I knew going into the situation that I was going into, you know, being traded for Norm Nixon, who was extremely popular with the Lakers back in those days, especially the fans and him and Coop and, and Magic were boys, you know, so I, you know, even though when I came in that situation, I wasn't trying to take anybody's place and it wasn't nothing that I did. I didn't demand to be traded or nothing like that, but that's, that showed me right away that this is truly a business, you know, mm. From day one, this is truly a business. They don't care about your friends. They don't care about family. Don't you know? Because again, when we get traded or we have to leave a team, as you know, you got to pack everybody. You know, the whole yeah. family, kids, wife, everybody has to go. So they don't really care about you know the type of situation that's going to infect you know not only the player but the player's family. You know, so I I, I found that at twenty one very quickly that this is strictly yeah. a business and you got to treat it as though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got any more of them practice stories, man? I, I, I feel like, you know, B, I, I played for you and I know you got it from somewhere, okay? Because, you know, even when I played for you, Coach, our practices were so much more than the games. And we got to the games, yeah. we're like, oh, we could run all day. So, yeah. man, what what was practice like? You know, you talked about you getting into it with Coop. Was there there any other things going on, man, that we could say your rookie year where you looked around like, man, this this is different? Because I know about Magic's cheating over at the UCLA men's gym. How, how was Magic in practice, man? Did he have to win every drill? And, you know, talk walk me through it, man. Yeah, no, he couldn't cheat in practice. Because Pat Riley would be like, no, no, that ain't a foul or blah, blah, blah. You know, keep playing. But the, the one thing that practice was so competitive, like, I, like you just said, you know, and, and I grew up learning that. If, if you make practice so hard, the games are easy. You know, you never run out of breath. You never, you know, you never are in the worst condition out there. I always thought that, you know, the teams that I've coached, we were always in better condition than the For teams sure. that we played. You know, but it's just <laughs> sure. you know, if you can win on talent or, 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 you know, talent alone. But that Laker team that we had had unbelievable talent and unbelievable effort. And we worked our ass off every single day because we knew the games would be that much easier, right? So I had, I mean, I got that legitly from Pat Riley. I mean, he was a workaholic, uh, very demanding as a coach. And he's the first one, Ryan, that told me when I was 26 years old that I would be a coach. And I told him he was crazy. Wow. You know, when you're 50 and I'm like, I just won two championships. You talking about coaching. When I'm like, you crazy? I got eight, nine, ten more years to play. And you talking about coaching. He's like, one day when you become a coach, you'll understand some of the things I have to go through. I was like, Rob. And I told him just like that. I said, Rob, you crazy as hell. I ain't going to never coach. You crazy. <laughs> and then at 32 years old, I go to play for Indiana. And I'm playing, you know, for the great Larry Brown. 
And Larry Brown, he didn't tell me I'd be a coach. He asked me if I would be interested in coaching because he said, I think you'd be a very good coach. That's what wow. got me thinking about being a coach. When you got two Hall of Famers, you know, like that, that see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I was like, I got to start taking notes and start being a little bit more uh, mindful of what these guys are seeing, you know. So that's when I start really getting into thinking, you know, thinking about the process of being a coach after playing the game of basketball. Let, let me ask you this, you know, just 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 fancy me, coach, because for me don't know people don't know uh, Byron had us run the easy run, which is yes, twenty five straight minutes around the court with your hands up. Uh, you are the first triple suicide recorded in history, at least in my generation. <laughs> a triple suicide, one on one, full court closeout drill. Uh, excuse yeah. me, half court closeout drill for a minute straight. How, yes. I, just fancy me, coach. How many of those drills came from from Riley or Larry Brown? How many of those came? Because you, 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 coach. You know, you got a rep around the league now. That you and Pat yeah. got a rep, rep, man. Well, how many of those yeah. Did, yeah. did you give us from them? I, I would say ninety percent of the drills that I that I learned uh, that I had you guys doing were from those guys. You know, the only, I mean, the the, the one minute drill. You know, with your boy uh, Daryl Armstrong called the Killer MF Drill. He said, that's what you should rename it, the Killer MF Drill. I said, no, it's just going to be the one-minute drill. But that might be that, – that's, that, that's one of few that I didn't get from them that I, you know, that I figured out on my own with a couple of my coaches. We was like, man, what if we did this? You know, and at first that one-minute drill used to be two minutes. And I said, no, that's too much. It was – it was people were just damn near dying, you know, on that drill. So I had to go back to the one-minute drill. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've had some great coaches, you know, in my life uh, during my basketball career. You know, Larry Brown, obviously, and Pat Riley are two of the, two of the greatest. But I think one guy that who's been very underrated that I really enjoy coaching under when I was assistant coach at Sacramento was Rick Adelman. Uh, Rick mm. Adelman was one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Uh, very unassuming. But, man, everywhere he went, he won. You know, so he understood the game of basketball extremely well. So, taking a little bit from all three of those guys and, and trying to, you know, put it into my little bag of tricks and make it my own uh, is, is something that I tried to do over the years. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, every player that came to me from another team said, man, we hear about your training camp. So I was like, yeah, well get ready. <laughs> Cause it's going to be tough. <laughs> and, and for those who don't know, so, anybody any anybody coaching kids or any young kids want to try this at home so that this, the defensive drill that B would have us do so we would put a minute on the clock and you you would line up it'd be a line of us and you got everybody okay in the drill so yeah. you're doing defensive slide they're dribbling and turning you and when you in the bees one of these camp you not you know we would try to coast with each other ain't no coasting dog so you the man with the ball has to push it you got to slide you got to cut them off so I'm going slide 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 cut them off slide cut them off I got them okay right once you get to half court, the man takes the ball on offense and throws it all the way. So you got a whole hot, not a, not like a free throw line. It's a it's a half court closeout. So you run half court closeout. Next guy, you got good legs through the first two. If you in shape now, first two, I got him, got him. By the time you hit the third and fourth guy, B is just seeing what you made of, dog. Ain't, no, ain't nothing else more than what are you made of at that point. <laughs> I, just want, I just want to make sure you ain't a quitter. You know, I, if you quit, then I'm like, okay, I can't have him. But if you go through <laughs> it, you work your way through it, and you just powered, and, and boy, boy, most of the guys would just be dying on that third and fourth guy. And if you got lucky enough to get to the fifth guy, whoo, by the time the ball was thrown back around to you, you'd just be recovering. So now you you have to dribble. You know, so it, yeah, it was 
it's, it, to me, Ryan, it, it's one of my best defensive drills. I love that drill because, it, it, like you said, it's, it's going to tell you, you know, who the men are and who the boys are. Stay tuned, guys. You're going to find out something about uh, Iceman George Gerben that he would do in games. Yes, in games that you did not know. Uh, fun stuff coming up next on NBA Rookie Life. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, let me let me ask you this, man. You you went to a, a study team, and obviously you're a 21 year old rookie, so you came in a little different. Uh, B, is there anybody who busted you up in practice, or kind of like a guy off brand that you didn't think could like kind of? Because B, you're one of the you don't get credit. You're one of the first three and D guys, championship three and D guys in, in this league's history. I'm guarding all all five positions. Well, you didn't guard all five positions. It was a little different back then. Yeah, you, we didn't want you could you were tough enough, but. 
<laughs> yeah, you had real centers. That's not a that's not a yeah, knock. Now in yeah. today's NBA, you could guard a center with your toughness. Yeah, um, yeah. But one of the first three and D guys. Um, and you, you, was there anybody who just caught you off guard and just busted you up or got you like, dog? I, I he's he like this. This league is that this dude is busting me up, man. What is going on? <laughs> you know the guy that busted me up there, and he did it. And he didn't even sweat. Was George Iceman Gervin, and I mean. The oh. Iceman was just so nice, man. I mean, he had the finger roll, and he he would he would talk smack, but he wasn't talking smack. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was trying to block his shot, and he would tell me, he said, "Hey, young fella, that that's a good challenge, you know. But man, you, you're gonna be all right. You know, he tapped you on your ass. You're gonna be all right." Now, this is why he busted. Me. He had 37 at halftime on me, and I was right oh. there on every shot. And this dude went. He, then he went to the hole and brought it like this, and did one of them finger rolls, and Kareem tried to block it. And when Kareem came down, he patted Kareem on the butt and said, Big fella, you know you can't get that. You know you can't. <laughs> but the dude had 37 and a half and didn't break a sweat. He was so nice and so smooth with it. I was like, okay, this is what the NBA is all about. I, I got to get a little bit stronger, uh, a little bit more physical with some of these guys. I said, yeah, th- this is going to be this is gonna be a learning, a learning experience for me. And, and people don't know, shout out to George Gervin, man, Brother Gervin there, man. He's huge. George Gervin is not like six five or six three. George Gervin is huge. Am I wrong, B? Six eight. He was six eight. Now I'm six four trying to guard. Now he was six eight, one hundred and eighty pounds. You know, and I was six four, like one ninety. But man, this dude, he was smooth. I mean, I would think that I got him, and he still get by me. I would think that I'm right there, and he still get it over me. I mean, he was he was just one of the one of the nicest players I've ever I've ever seen with that ball. He could score from anywhere. And that's the one thing that made him so dangerous. But he did everything with a smile, man. He was so polite about it and everything. Iceman, like you said, one of the best people in the NBA as well. Uh, man, uh, absolutely, man. Shout out, shout out, brother Gerben. Um, who did you who did you watch? Who who did you watch? What made you dial in with the NBA? You talk about McAdoo wearing the eleven, but who yeah. did you watch? Who helped you like fall? Like who 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 helped you dream, man? For me, it was Hakeem and those Rocket teams. Big shot, big shot, Rob. Who who dialed you into being like this? Is it? Well, I think Bob McAdoo, watching Jerry West and Elgin Banner and those guys when I was here in L.A., you know, just. just so you were a Laker up. fan. I was a Laker fan. Yeah. So wow. when I when I say getting traded to the Lakers was the like, happiest day of my life, bro, I, I, I never dreamed about playing for the Lakers uh, to start off my career. I always said to myself, I'm going to be in the NBA and I know I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play for the Lakers, but maybe yeah, later yeah. on in my career, I'll get a chance to play for them or something as a free agent and all that. But I never, I never in my wildest thought I would start off my career, you know, playing for a team like that that had opportunities to win every single year, win a championship. So I was in heaven. My mom, my dad, all Laker fans. So our whole house was Laker fans. So, so when I when I got traded, man, you talk about the whole house being excited. Uh, everybody on the street that knew us was excited because they knew how big of fans we were of the Lakers. So yeah, it was a big deal, man. Be for for me, I, I had similar with you. And I want to stay at the crib, you know, to start my career. But when yeah. I, I got, I got, I, I played for the Clippers at the crib. I was all, you know, it is different at the crib. Yeah. Why? How are you ready? I can look back and say I came to the crib at the right time to minimize tickets and not hang with the homies. I couldn't. I couldn't have done that. You know, I needed the East Coast. I needed you. I needed, you right, know, right. Boston. <laughs> all that, like you know, Charlotte. Right. Um, how are How are you ready? Because that is darn near that. That's tough to do, man. I think I was ready because of the people that I was around. 
You know, I, you you mm -hmm. go in a situation where you playing with Magic and, and Kareem and James and Coop and all these guys. If you ain't ready, you ain't gonna be there long. You know, so yeah, yeah, being yeah. that you know that I was young coming into that situation, and, and those guys kind of took me under their wing and showed me what it, you know what it is to be a professional, how to come to work every single day, uh, how to how to get prepared for a game. You know, how to work yourself. You know, work on your weaknesses, make those weaknesses strength. I think if I was with another team that didn't have the veteran and the leadership that the Lakers had at that time, it might have been different, you know. But for sure, for I was sure. blessed to be put in a situation like that that taught me real early what it was to be a pro and how to approach the game every single night and how to approach it from a business level as well, you know. So, I mean, you know, Magic and Coop especially, those were my two guys, you know. And I sit next to Kareem for six years, you know, in the locker room. So he was always – you know, you know, just throwing wisdom in, in, in my yeah, face yeah, yeah. and just talking about this and that. And, uh, you know, so if you don't learn, then, you know, it's you're making the biggest mistake in the world. So I was just eating that stuff up, man, and just gathering as much information as I could to make sure that I would be able to, to perform at a high level. Coach, the, the word on the street is that Kareem ain't just opening up to you. Like, you got to earn your keep with, with Kareem. Yeah. Um when did you earn your keep with Kareem? You know, seeing that you guys had that type of shout out cap, man. Um, when when did you earn your keep with him and how did how did that come about? You talk about having to, you know, being ready to scrap within the first week or two. Um, but when was that moment where Kareem was like, you know what, B, you go with me. Let 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 let's talk. You know, let me take you out of my way. Yeah, you know what? It, it it took a while. And when I mean a while, it wasn't like the first couple of months of the of the season. It took till I think my rookie year till that summer. I still didn't know it. Dang, and you sat next to him. Oh, and I sit right next to him. And we would talk and talk and talk. But he was never, you know, he would give me advice about this and that, you know, about business in general, you know, about, you know, hey, make sure you take care of your money. Make sure you look at your your financial guy. Make sure your CPA is, is doing what he's supposed to do. You know, always check on them and, you know, have quarterly meetings. He was always giving me that type of advice. But I don't think I ever really felt that I was – that I was accepted by him until that summer. And, and it, it, it tripped wow. me out because I'm, I'm at home one summer and I'm getting ready for the season, you know, getting ready for training camp. So I'm working out and Kareem calls me, you know, and, you know, my, my ex-wife picks up the phone and said, Cap's on the phone. I was like, Cap? So what's up, Cap? <laughs> hey, baby B, what you doing? I'm chilling. He said, man, what you doing tomorrow? Working out. What's up? I want you to come over to the house for lunch. I was like, oh, okay. So I'll go over for lunch. And we have a ball for like two hours. We're just chilling, having lunch. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. his, his housekeeper's cooking us all his food. And about two weeks before we're about to go to training camp, call me again and come up for lunch. So when we get to the, you know, to the regular season, we start playing. And we're talking one day, and I'm telling Magic and Coop that I was at Cap's house this summer for lunch. They was like, what? He ain't never invited us <laughs> over to the house for lunch. <laughs> and I was like. Hey, I don't know what to tell you. I guess we got a, a connection all of a sudden here. And, and that's when I knew that he was like, he was my dude, you know. So for that next five years that we sitting there together, it was it was unbelievable. And then every time that we would leave to go on the road trips, we were practicing Loyola. And we didn't have these unbelievable practice facilities. So we had to go home and take a shower, then go to the airport. Well, Cat yeah. would come, Cat would follow me to my house, take a shower at my house. We had breakfast there and then my ex-wife would drive us to the airport. So, I mean, that's wow. people, real close. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I, I've been around a whole lot of people. I, I, I don't think there's one person I've been around that's smarter than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow.
Shout yeah. out to Cap, man. And 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 Cap is deep, man. I'm sure we can we can talk. We can do a whole pod on and understands just beyond but just this this earth, our being, our essence, our, our all that man. Okay, coach, let's we're gonna have to break this up into a couple of us so we can go all day on this. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, for those who don't know, shout out your podcast, the B Scott Podcast. You are killing it there. So if you like a taste of this, we'll talk about it later. Get to that. But this is my favorite part of the show. Um, coach is called the uh, NBA Rookie Life film room man let's step, step into the film room normally i had to tell my 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 former teammates or my colleagues to go ahead and put their coaching hat on but you already coach analyst you know so this should be easier for you man oh, this man. is uh the last two minutes of the first chip coach run the clip run the clip i want you to talk me through these moments it's not a, it's not a highlight clip there's not nothing big going on. Just just walk me through the feeling. Walk me through what's going on for the city, for the town, the kid. The kid out of Morningside, man. Talk to me, Coach. What is what is going on here that we don't know? You know what? What's, what's going on here is that we, we, we come to realize right now that this Laker team in 85 is about to beat the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series in Boston, and we're the first Laker team ever to be the Celtic team in the NBA Finals. So right now, we are just celebrating on the bench. 107-97, and it's as if no one is at Boston Garden right now. That's how quiet it is. That's got to be the ultimate thrill for the Lakers. Kareem hits again with a skyhook. The Lakers are less than a minute away. The Lakers could win their third title, Tommy, in six years. They have reached the finals in five of those six years. Not a dynasty, but it's the closest since the Celtics won 11 of 13. Unusual sight. Celtics losing a championship at home. Never happened before. You know, we know we got the game won. We just got to get it across, across half court. You know, just kind of dribble the clock out. I'm messing around with, I don't know if that's Danny or Scott <laughs> Webb. And I was like, man, you know, neither one of y'all really can guard me. So I'm going to just... <laughs> Let me go out and then Coop. As you guys know, nowadays, Coop should have just held on to the ball and we should have kept that ball with us. But he threw it up in the air. As you can see, it was a double digit lead, a win, 111 100. The Lakers are winning it. Three in six years. LA comes to Boston and wins the world title. That was my first championship. And, and I'm telling you, Ryan, uh, it, it don't get better than that, man. Winning your first one, especially in the style and in the manner that we did it and the where we did it at, you know, being in Boston uh, made it that much more special. And the celebration in the locker room, man, it was, it was, it, listen, when we left the locker room, we celebrated on the bus. When we got off the bus and went to our hotel room, we all took in the shower and we went upstairs and Pat Riley had on a, a, a tuxedo, had a ballroom already set up for us. We celebrated until one, two in the morning in their city and party and had a great time. <laughs> It, it, it was like as James said right here, man, it feels good. That that's all it was about. It just it just felt good. <laughs> what what were the first things running through your mind? You're on the road, you're not at the crib. What were those first things when it, it happened? Like the kid from Morningside, the guy who underdog. What are the first things that just hit your mind like when it happened, coach? First thing is that man, we world champions. We world champions. We the best team in the world. We, we we came here and we conquered, you know, that 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 beast of the Boston Celtics and that mystique of them always beating the Lakers. 
And as Dr. Buff says here, you know, later on, you can never be said again that the Lakers had never beaten the Celtics in the series. This has removed the most odious sentence in the English language. It can never again be said that the Lakers have never beaten the Celtics. <laughs> wow. It's just a great feeling to not only that, but just to celebrate with your teammates because you guys know what you go through. You know, as being a, mm. a former player. You know the agony and the pain and the misery and the joy that you go through during a season. You know, you go through the ups and downs. And all those guys are like your brothers. They really are. It's like your brothers. Because we, you know, just like our, our assemblies, you have fights, you have disagreements, you have arguments. Then you love each other and you're, you're hugging each other. You take each other to dinner and, you you know, you, you uh, apologize and then you get back at it. And that's Do just you- a whole year of, of just going through all the stuff that we had to go through and listen to all, you know, all the talk about the Celtics going to beat the Lakers. Uh, and to kind of be able to get that monkey off your back is, is one of the greatest feelings to do it with your teammates that you ever have. What, what's the biggest thing that changed in your life here that didn't, you didn't see coming and then the opportunity to come back and do it again? Because normally people get fat and happy and yeah. the world champs sometimes don't come back as world champs. So talk a bit about about those two things. Yeah, I don't think I don't think subconsciously we got fat and happy, but but we did, to be honest with you. Going into 86 championship, we end up losing uh, to Houston in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, and then we come back, you know, we, we got that. That you know that 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 mystique of coming back, you know, hungry again, and we win in this '87. So I, I go back to Pat Riley being a genius, you know, and, and saying at the at the forum when he's standing on the podium and said, "I guarantee you, we're going to win it again." And I guarantee everybody here next year we're going to win it again. Because he already knew. Look, every year that we won it, mm-hmm. we lost the next year. So he's like, "What what the hell? I got to lose? Let me let me challenge yeah, these yeah, guys." Yeah. He knew. <laughs> That we love that challenge. We love that he challenge. He knew y'all took that personal. <laughs> oh, man. man, Ryan, when I say we took it personal, we stood up there on, we were sitting on the stage, right, when he said it, and we all looked at each other like, what the hell did he just say? You know, we can't, <laughs> even, you know, we can't enjoy this moment of winning the championship. And he gonna put that type yeah, of yeah, yeah. But the one yeah. thing about the trip is I would normally take two or three weeks off, don't do nothing, you know, after we won a championship. That year in 87, we won the championship. When he said that statement, I think about three or four days later, I was at the track at UCLA. But guess what? Wow. So was Magic. So was Coop. So was hey, wow. We all were like, you know what? You know, we we gonna we gonna get we gonna get ready right now. You know, so we didn't let that hangover of that you know that fat cat that we did have the year before that challenge that Pat Riley put to us. It was perfect, man. It was, it was a masterpiece, and you know, we were able to come back and do it. Who orchestrated the workout? Was it you? Was it magic? Was it just something you guys kind of knew y'all were going to do and just kind of just, just fell into it? Yeah, no, we all, all all had our own type of workout regimen. Uh, but this time we just happened to be all at UCLA. <laughs> wow. And I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. What, what y'all doing? They was like, well, I'm doing this. And I was like, all right, well, I had a guy there named Henry Hines who, was our, who kind of was our track guy. And Henry was like, look, I know B got, he got 10 200s. Today and he got to he got to run them all in a certain time. Dang. And then, Dang. And then, yeah, he was serious. And then we got boxing, yeah, yeah, jump yeah. and push ups and sit ups. So we would be there two hours, and they was like, "All right." And then we would leave there to go to UCLA gym and run and play for the next two or three hours. You know, so the thing that I wow. knew after that, after he challenged us like he did, and everybody was on the same page. 
you know, everybody was on the same page. Everybody was ready to, you know, to prove him right. You know, that's the one thing we wanted to do with Riles is prove him right. All right, let's let's pull this next clip up, man. We we we, we talked about you getting busted up a little bit. We got to bring you back, man. You 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 uh you had you a nice little highlight here over MJ, man. We we got pull this up, B. Um, I think you guys were down. Walk me through uh this moment. You know you know what's crazy, Coach. I was watching this game as a young kid, and I, I remember this. I remember okay. this game, but I want to hear uh, what was going on from you. This, this is our press. We're down, so we're, we're trying to press right quick, our little one-two-two press. And uh, when MJ shot it, basically I just took off, and Magic was able to find me. And MJ, when he jumped, I knew I had him. I said, his angle was bad. Yeah, yeah, I was like, man, you done. Yeah. His angle was bad. So when I dunked it, he, he you know, accidentally kind of hit me on the side of the face. Um, and then he turned away real quick, like, you know, like he didn't do it. Magic. Down to Byron Scott. Byron Scott cocks the hammer and drives it home and has a chance for a three-point play. They're going to call this a... Yeah, I mean, this, this is one of those highlights that a lot of people always ask me about, man, you dunked on Michael Jordan. I was like, yeah, I, I, I did. But he also got me too. <laughs> he, got, <laughs> he got me too. But yeah, this was a good one right here, though. But again, I, I knew he was going to jump, but I said, "No, your angle is bad," and so I just had to throw it down and uh, go to the free throw line and knock it down. Now, coach, a lot of your dunks—you're a one-legged jumper. Was that yeah. from the track workouts? Was that just you're like you were so fast that you knew everything off one was easy? Uh, why, why was that? I don't know, Ryan. You know, to be honest with you, because I, I jumped just as good off of two, but for the most part. Uh, if I'm going through traffic and everything, it would just, you know, take off on that strong leg. You know, that left leg of mine was just strong and just try to get up there and ram it down. But, um, you know, I, I had some dunks back in the day where I jumped off two feet as well, but I just did that, you know, every, every, every now and then. But that, I, you know, I was kind of known as that, that one legged, you know, that right hand, I'm going to bring it down with the hammer. So, um, you know, that was kind of my signature dunk right there. Coach, you, you talked about 1987, that championship, as sweet as it was. It wasn't easy, though. Um, I need you to walk me through this performance from Magic Johnson and let me know why it was special, what was different, because you guys were still up against the odds here. So just kind of we're going to watch some clips. Walk me through this game and, you know, let me know we don't know about this moment. Was it was Magic feeling OK? What was he saying on the bench? Uh, what was the feel here? You guys are road warriors again. And, you know, yeah. was this a must have game? Walk, walk me through this moment, coach. Laker ball and a shot to win it. Down by one. Five seconds to go. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! Two seconds left. The Lakers take the lead on Magic Johnson's running sky hook. Well, I think for us it was a must-have game, and, and we wanted to, you know, try to get a little bit more of a uh, a, a spread, you know, a little try to widen our, our our league against this team. And this play, this this play originally was not for Magic, you know, but I think. What he what he went through the year before when he missed a couple of free throws and, you know, being a great player and a great leader that he was, he, he tried to take the onus that, you know, the reason we lost that series was because of him. But, man, we let, let, let's not get it twisted. We don't we don't even get to that series without him. I mean, so for sure, he, he's still the greatest point guard I've ever, I've ever seen. But, you know, he, he really took, you know, took that to heart. This playoff out of this timeout, you know, after Kareem, you know, made one of the free throws and they missed it and they hit it out of bounds. When Magic came off this play, the, the play was really to get the ball into Kareem. Uh, but wow. what Robert Harris and Kevin McHale did is they switched it 
And now imagine see that he has, you know, Mikel on him. And he was like, oh, no, I'm taking him because he was already picked <laughs> off last year. And he just he didn't even look at Kareem. He just looked, he just did a little stutter step, boom, I'm going to go past him and I'm going to shoot, as he called it then, the baby, baby Scott Hooks. And if you remember, or if you look at this play, even Paris challenged it. If he would have dumped it down to Kareem, it would have been a dunk. Or yeah. if he misses it, Kareem probably would have got the offensive rebound. But I think Magic took that shot. That was all based on last year. He was so pissed off at last year that he didn't, you know, deliver, uh, that he had to go ahead and deliver. But that shot by Larry Bird, was the craziest shot because he hit one before that. And then he told us he was going to the same corner. It was the same play. Ain't nothing y'all could do about it. And he Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, he didn't. Larry Bird made the shot and then came back and told you guys in the championship he was going to the same spot. Ryan, they lined up and he said, look, guys, same play as we just ran a minute ago. I'm going to the same spot. Ain't a damn thing y'all could do about it. And I'm going to tell you because – Pat Riley took me out. He put Coop in. And I remember being on the bench. And right where Larry shot the ball, I was right behind him. And from my angle, from my angle, right where he comes over to that corner and he catches the ball, I'm right there to the side. Yep. And from my angle, when he let it go, it was going to be all net. That sucker hit just the back of the rim. And I was like, oh, my God. Because when he let it go, I was like, oh, damn. Michael Thompson is back in to try to distract Dennis Johnson on the inbound. Bird fires it. And the Lakers have won in Pat Riley. And the Lakers dance off the court. <laughs> I was like, Larry, let me in. But it hit the rim. And he, even after the game, was he, he said he was just, he couldn't believe he missed it. But that's how good Larry Bird was, too. He, was, he told us exactly where he was going. Twice. The first one he made, the second one was just a little long. And um I mean we 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 couldn't guard him. He was that good. What was what what was it about Larry? We know he ain't the fastest in the gym. Probably, if y'all ran sprint drills, he probably comes in last. Yeah. What was it about Larry Bird where he just got open or like you cause B, like I said, you are one of the better defenders to ever play this game. You guarded the league's best. How did this dude get this open? How is he this effective, coach? Man, that dude was so smart. Uh, you know, just like the great players, they they see they see the game in, in in frames, you know, and they're so far ahead, you know, they don't already seen it happen before it happens, uh, and they and they see the game in slow motion, you know. And Larry was one of those guys that, you know, like you said, you could look at him and say, I, if he was in the gym, you know, you were picking a, a starting five, he'd probably be one of the last guys you picked if you just looked at him by appearances, you know, because he's sure, not fast, sure. he, he's not, you know, he, he doesn't jump high, but the guy had unbelievable vision. His basketball IQ is one of the highest I've ever seen, and he was a winner. You know, he, he was a winner. You know, that's what made him so great. And, uh, you know, anybody that had a chance to play against Larry on a day-to-day basis, you know, they they had nothing but the utmost respect. Michael Cooper, you know, to this day said Larry was probably the toughest guy he ever had to guard. And Larry, to this day, says Michael Cooper guarded him better than anybody ever guarded him. Wow. All right, hang around, guys. We got a really – Really cool uh, throwback memory. But Coach Scott is going to take us through something that we did not know about Kobe's last game as a Laker. That 60-point performance, it was a movie. There's some things we're going to find out that we didn't know about it from this game. Stay tuned. We'll be back on NBA Rookie Life with Ryan Hollins. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know. 
think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we got we're gonna stay with some with some Laker greatness. And you had a chance to uh in a major way pay it forward. Uh, B, I remember when you came back to the Lakers, um, that was special later on in your career, and you got to mentor a young yeah. rookie, Kobe Bryant, and then you had a chance to coach him. I was doing radio, and I was talking crazy for you, B. When the coaching search was going, I was like, Byron Scott, going to be the next coach before he was a coach. We were pulling for you, coach. And um, through that season, it was obviously a rebuilding, and I, I love we – could, we could talk for hours on this one. All of the young guys that you instilled the hard work and they ain't want to hear it, but they are pretty darn good. Okay. Julius Randall, Jordan, all these boys, pretty darn yeah. good. Okay. We're going to, yeah. we, we, we can talk about that again. But in the last game for Kobe Bryant, you coached. I need you to walk me through this game, coach. This was a, a special one. I man, listen, man, when Bean passed, I mean, I cried harder than when my old man passed. <laughs> that, 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 hit, that hit different. Um, but walk me. Through this game, Coach, what, what was it like? You know, Kobe, just go ahead and do you, man. Walk me uh, 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 through this. This is one of the. This is this is a movie, Coach. Yeah, it, it, it really, it's it's and it's fitting. It's in L.A. You know, this is Hollywood where movies are made. But I'm gonna tell you, Ryan, at the beginning of this game, I, I was like, oh my god, I don't want Kobe to go out this way. He missed his first five shots like it wasn't nothing. Then he got fouled. He hit a couple of free throws, and that kind of got him rolling. The second half, I told him, I said, you're not coming out. So, you know, hopefully, you know. <laughs> why, why, did you, why did you tell him he wasn't coming out? Because I wanted him to just play. I just wanted him to go out there and just play, do what he does, you know, what he does best. And um, 
I didn't feel – I think the people wanted to see him play that last game just like everybody else, you know, and I just wanted him to go out the way he wanted to go out. And and I thought, personally, I said, if he get 25-30, you know, that's going to be a great send-off. You know, that's going to yes. be a great send-off for his last game. And like I said, it didn't start off well at all. But then the second half, man, he just got it going. And and I'm telling you, most of this is just will and determination because he was he was so tired. Uh, I remember with three minutes left in the game, I said, Kobe, you got three more minutes left in that body of yours. And his whole chest was moving because he was so tired. And he just looked up at me and said, absolutely. And so to watch him, you know, go out with 60 points in his final game. Like I said, you you can't if you drew this up in Hollywood, people would think it's a lie. You know that this is not a true story. But uh, the Mamba was special, and and our relationship, meeting him when he was seventeen years old, and having a chance to spend time with him then, and then come back and coaching the last two years. Uh, I tell a lot of people that the last two years of me coaching was two of the most fun years I've ever had because I was reunited with Kobe. It wasn't fun the losing. And the development of these young guys, but you know you have to go through those uh, situations as well. But to, just to be reconnected with him, to talk to him almost every day, you know, there's pictures of him in the locker room where I'm in the locker room. He comes up, and he just grabs me from behind, and we just talk. I mean, it was just, it was just special to be there that last two years with him. And this game right here, man, I, we will never in our lifetime see a 20 year vet, you know, no. have his final game and score 60. MJ didn't, you know, wasn't close to that. Nobody's been close to that. Uh, but to watch Kobe being Bryant go out that way, man, I was, I was, I was ecstatic. What, what were some of the things that he was saying during the game, or was he focused, or some of the, you, you know, you're going through your mind and let him know, all right, Kobe, you're not coming out, or are you like, I need to encourage him, you know, let's run some offense, give him, get him e or easy looks, or like, just let him do his thing. What, what, what was your mindset? Because you, you're in the midst of history, and I, I know you could feel it coming, Coach. Yeah, I, I could feel it coming. My, my, my whole thing was, look, we're going to give Kobe the ball here. Y'all get the hell out of the way. Now, you know, if he <laughs> needs a screen, he's going to call you up, Julia. So if he needs a screen, make sure you set it. And I said, you might have to set it twice, you know, because they're already trying to play him on one side anyway. I said, but make sure it's at the top. I don't want nothing on the side because I don't want him to funnel him down or keep him on. Let's let the floor be spread wide open. And I said, let's just let, let him do his thing. But, hey, let's get him the ball. And let's let him do his thing. And, uh, every, you know, all those guys at that time, and they were so into that. And they wanted him to go out, you know, the way he went out. And uh, this right here, this moment right here, man, uh, when he came out, he just came over to me and told me, I love you, coach. And I said, man, I love you, bro. I just, I, I love you like a, a, a younger brother or, or son, you know. And it was just a special time, a special moment for me uh, for us to have this embracement after the game. With half a minute to play, Bryant for the lead. Yeah! game this is this takes it to an absolute another level an absolute another level and, and, and b you know for those who don't know kobe's a basketball historian so when he oh came God. to play shooting guard for the lakers he knew exactly who you were i'm sure yeah. he knew your shots i'm sure he would probably say the game so what was kind of the conversations that he had? And, you know, Kobe was known, you can tell me better than anybody, of, of just right. like asking questions, RB, how you do this, how you do this. So tell me about, you know, that relationship you guys had even from playing with him and keeping in contact and coaching. Yeah, he, he was a sponge, man. He wanted to learn as much as he could. He asked all kinds of questions. 
The one question he asked me all the time was, how do you go 100 miles an hour and stop on a dime and pull up and shoot a jump shot? He said, I can't do that. How do you do that? You know what I'm I said, well, if that's the only thing you can't do that I do, I'm good. I, I'm going to keep that. You know, everything else you do is so much better than me. I said, well, let, me, let me have that one, Kobe. You know, but yeah, he like you said, when he came to the to the Lakers. I mean, first of all, he was calling me Mr. Scott for the first month. And I was like, uh, Kobe, we teammates now, so you call me B or Byron, you know. And uh, he was just, like you say, he was very respectful. He knew the game already at 17, 18 years old. Uh, and he already knew what he wanted to do. You know, I mean, one of our first conversations is I asked him, I said, what do you want to accomplish in the NBA? And he said, wow. I want to be one of the greatest of all time. And I mean, we both just looked at each other and I, and I knew how hard he worked. So I told him, I said, you will be because I, I see you every day and I know how hard you work and how much you want this. And man, oh man, I, wow. I couldn't imagine. I, I, I knew it was going to be great, but I didn't know he would be at the time when he left the game, the third leading scorer in NBA history, you know, 20 all-star appearances, five NBA championships, uh, MVP. And I mean, all-star MVPs. I didn't know to the magnitude of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what he would have accomplished you know i just knew he was going to be a great basketball player but man was there he, a moment when you was there a moment when you realized like oh he's going to get there um yeah when i was watching him uh against us when i was coaching jersey <laughs> I was like, yeah yeah he's he's definitely one of the greats and he's gonna if he without barring any injury he's definitely gonna be one of the greats and um yeah, he didn't disappoint, man. He did not disappoint me, that's for sure. All right, Coach, before I get you out of here, we got to talk about a little about, a little bit of our history, man. We made some Cleveland history, man. Let, let, let's talk about it and talk me uh, 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 through, through this game, man. We were both uh, a, a part of this, and it was, you know, LeBron came back home. This was an Ooh. interesting type of situation, man, but we pulled it off. Uh, <laughs> all right, Coach, so – uh, just talk me through this game, man, because we're we're playing. I'm where well, I'm on the team with you. Yeah, we're playing yeah. against LeBron. He's coming back, and the city was just aching after this, the decision. And this is this goes down in Cleveland history. Shout out LBJ, by the way, man, yeah, uh, the goat, man. But talk me through this game because this was just big for the city healing, man. And I I assume you didn't have to buy a meal in the city for a while. You know, we were losing at the time, but we ended up pulling this game out. Yeah, this this was one of those games that you know, like you said, you know, LeBron's coming back, so you got all these people that are there, and they, you know, you got the you got the haters that hate LeBron for leaving, and then you got the ones that still love him and wish he was back. But like you said, this was this was a very emotional game, as you can see. I mean, you and Dwayne Wade got into it a little bit, and you know, I remember Jamal uh, Mosley, one of my assistant coaches, got into it with LeBron. I mean, everybody was just the, the emotions were extremely high, and it's a packed house, of course. Uh, so for us to be able to play uh, this game the way we played, man, it, 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 it was great because of the fact that everybody in that building wanted some type of revenge against, you know, against LBJ. Uh, and so, you know, hey, we were, we were able to pull it off, which was a big thing for us, a big win for us in, in front of our crowd. Uh, and I, I, to be honest with you, I even thought LeBron at the end of that game was kind of like, you know what, this is pretty cool, you know. Uh, because yeah. we, he's a historian as well. He understood the type of impact it was gonna, it was gonna have on the city of Cleveland if we could beat them, in which we ended up beating them. Uh, because the first time they came back, they demolished us. So we were ready the next yeah. time. Yeah, we were ready the next time. We wasn't in awe of him the next time. So 
this was this was a great uh, a great you know win for us uh, you know at home against a great a great basketball team. No looker inside Bosch with patience. Oh. Oh. I feel like the the thing about this and LeBron at this time in his career, LeBron is such a good guy. He was trying to be this villain and right. he was trying to create moments. You know, we knew the Kobe moments. We knew it. It felt like LeBron tried to create a moment and it wasn't him. He's very, and I think this one is the best, just be you. Like, be, we are talking about you yeah. are who you are. I think yeah. when LeBron embraced being him, he went like this. But I thought he yeah. was trying to be this villain, this bad yeah. guy, you know, and it, it never sat right with him. No. And that's not him. That's not his personality. That's not, like you said, that's not him. That's Kobe. Kobe loved being the villain. Mm. He loved going to the other arena. You know what I mean? <laughs> he did. He loved going to the yeah, other arena yeah. and playing and trying to shut people up. You know, that's he, he loved wearing the black hat. And that was his personality. LeBron, that is not his personality. I mean, he, he is, like you said, one of the nicest guys uh, that you'll ever meet, one of the most intelligent basketball players that you'll ever meet. And at some point in time, and he did do this some point in time in his career where he got to the point where he was like, look, I'm going to just be me. That's all I can be. I'm not going to try yeah. to please everybody. Because at the end of the day, you can't anyway. You can't please everybody. So why try? Hey, B, I, Coach, I'm laughing that, you know, when me and Dwayne Wade, D-Wade bumped up, you know, and I felt like I just had to – you know, I may I may have not been the best player in my ten years, but I ain't no punk, and I'm always gonna be ready to go. I, I you know, I, the, the mental game start going. I'm laughing because when I what was going through your head? I I never asked you this. You know, when I bumped with Dwayne Wade, and you know, I knew his move. He was going to split, and once he right. splits, there's nobody behind me. So I was like, you get, if you go to split me, D Wade, you're getting clothesline, bro. You yeah, get right. you know chested. Now Hollins and Wade double technicals and flash. It's flapping the gums now. Well, you knew he, he was, Ryan Hollis bumped him when he went down the middle that one time, so you knew something was going to happen. So now, all of a sudden, he gets a little bump down here on this end of the floor, and now he wants to start something. You never got on me. You never said nothing. What was running through your mind when that happened, Coach? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I like, see, but, but like you just said, we, we didn't back down. And you illustrated that on that play. You was like, no, nah, man, no, nah, not tonight. You know, yeah. not tonight. And you know, for me as an old-school coach who, who getting clothesline back in those days was just a foul to get up some free throws. You know, so I was like, yeah, I love that. I, I appreciated it. So I was like, yeah, I didn't. that's why I didn't say nothing. I was like, yeah, that's right, Brian. Yeah. No, that's right. Let him know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I ain't no fault. You ain't to say what you want to do, what you want to do. And we both yeah. love D-Wade. I mean, he, you're talking about another yes. terrific young yes. man. Terrific dude. I knew D-Wade didn't want to fight. But yeah. I knew he was going to try me, oh, and course. I knew I couldn't get out. And I think the hardest thing for me at that time, Coach, is I had so much potential. I was seven feet, could jump out the gym, but I didn't know how to bottle my emotions, how to play yeah. the game. And we didn't have a team like full of veterans. So I was yeah. right on the cuffs. Like I had it in the moments, but I didn't know. But this was a game I was like, I was, I was there. We're not losing. 
Get that weak stuff out of here. He sent it back like a yes. piece of steak. Then runs the floor and smashes. Ryan Hollins in the win. Defense and turn it into offense. Yeah, <laughs> we not. I, I had a pack in my head. Second time around, dog. We not losing. I don't care what I got to do. That was coach. That was one of the games of my career, man. <laughs> that, was, that was one of your best games, no doubt about it. And I think because of the attitude that you just talked about, that you took into that game, uh, is one of the reasons that you played so well. And the guys also played well. You know, BD was there doing his thing. You know, uh, Anthony. I mean, our team at that that night for that game, man, we were all on one accord. Everybody just had winning in their mind, defending on their mind, rebounding in their mind, and that's the reason we got just that win. win and took care of it that night. I don't think people, you know, let's talk a little bit about him, man. Um, I think people knew how good Baron Davis was, but I think they forgot. You know, I had the game of my career, but this is one of the games where I remember, Coach, at the end of the game, I don't know if people remember this, Barrett switched on to LeBron and went physically foot yeah. speed step for step with LeBron and then chested LeBron physically. LeBron 6'8", 275, and BD was right there. Baron Davis, this was, I mean, a complete game, and he made me look good, AP looked good, uh, Zoe was catching lobs. Like, talk a little bit about BD, man, because this was and, – and, and B, I know you – before you do it, I'm going to tell you this real quick. I, I know you don't know this. When I was in there in the training room, I'm sitting down on the training room, Baron just walked into the training room before this game and just started cussing me out. He, get up, move. You're not doing this. What's wrong with you? Oh, you already bugging, dog. You already bugging. I'm like – Baron, what are you talking about? You bug it. And he he like he pissed me off before the game, Coach. He, he got on me. And it was like, stop thinking. You, you know what I'm saying? But talk to me about BD and kind of like his, you know, 85, his talent, man. This is We're going to call him 85 for this one. 85. Let, let me tell you something. And I've told a lot of people this. I, I've had Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, um, you know, it's two of the best point guards that ever played this game. And a healthy Baron Davis, I put him right up there with him. I, I, and I told people, talent-wise, man, this kid was so talented. Uh, if he didn't have some of the injuries he had throughout his career, I think Baron Davis would be a Hall of Famer. You know, it's no doubt in my mind. He was quick, explosive, handles off the chain, unlimited range, could post you up, and then on the other <laughs> end could beat you up because he, he had the foot speed, yes. he had the strength. He was 6'4". I mean, the, the kid had a total package. And uh, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, man, I had two of the greatest. But I'm telling you, if BD would have stayed healthy his whole career, he'd be a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest point guards that ever played. Wow, good, good stuff there, Coach. I'm a, we're going to have to get you out of here, man. Listen, I'm going to have to call you back because we still got a lot to talk about, man. We, you, you, listen, I, you know, you got nine lives in this basketball world, nah. man. <laughs> Anytime, anytime, Ryan, you let me know, brother. I would love to sit down and talk some more about this uh, this great game of ours. There's no doubt about it. Okay, well, well Coach, um, the one thing that I like to do here at NBA Rookie Life with Ryan Hollins, you took the time to uh, bless myself and this podcast and the people and the fans, but forget this. How can we support you? We know you're doing your thing with your podcast. We know there's charities. How can we support you? How, when, where? Uh, shout it out, man, and uh, you, you already know, Coach. You know what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm very simple. You know, uh, my social media is uh, officialbyronscott at gmail.com. Just kind of check in on me and see what some of the things that I'm doing, uh, some of the things I'm doing in the community. I just did a two-day camp at Morningside High School, my old alma mater, to raise funds for Morningside High School to try to beautify that school again, uh, bring it back to life. So I'm always trying to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And uh, 
you know, anytime that I, that I'm about to do something, I'll probably holler at you, Ryan, and say, listen, this is what I'm doing. Blast it out there, you know, but, uh, Absolutely. yeah, I'm just trying to enjoy life, man. Life is good right now. The wife and I are just enjoying and my grandkids, Ryan, I got 11, nine year old <laughs> granddaughters that I see often that are here. And then Thomas, his two are in Atlanta. So I don't see yes. them often, but man, I'm just trying to enjoy life and get back as much as possible. Well, coach, I, I appreciate you. I love you, man. I can't tell you enough about the things you about what you've done for my career uh, on and off the court. I've watched you. I want to follow in those footsteps. Hopefully uh, what you've done in broadcast and what you're doing with your podcast again. So um, I appreciate you, coach. And you are uh, a pillar of the basketball community, much beyond Los Angeles and through the through the league, man. So I appreciate you, coach. Ryan, I appreciate it, brother. And keep doing what you're doing. You look good on TV. You're doing now the podcast, brother. I'm proud of you as well and uh, love you to death, man. And tell the family I said hello. Appreciate it, Coach. Yes, sir. Wow. Cannot thank you guys enough for hanging out with us on the pod. Shout out to Coach Byron Scott, man. Um, NBA Hall of Famer, man. There, there are so many, so many stories that uh, Coach can run through and, and, and talk about. But nonetheless, guys, we cannot do this without you. So we thank you for being here. Make sure you like, you follow, you subscribe. Shout us out, man. Do whatever you like. And uh, if you get a chance, man, let us know who would you like to see on the podcast. So tweet at us. Show us some love. But love you guys. I appreciate you. And guess what? I see you next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.